Jason here, another episode of Zion ID. Today we're talking about five scriptural passages to help us time the second coming. To start off with, I'd just like to say there are so many good people out there. Um, during this time of quarantine, when we're all slowing down and being able to focus on those things that matter most, it's really amazed me to see examples of people serving one another, loving one another, taking care of their families, taking care of their neighbors, and um, just having this time to reflect, you know, on truth and on, you know, who each of us really want to be as people. Again, what's most important. Invariably, during this time, people's mind is turning to God, which brings about many questions, you know, specifically as it pertains to the second coming. You know, is this, are these the days of the second coming? We, a lot of us have heard about these things for our, not only our entire lives, but for generations from our grandparents, our great-grandparents. You know, for generations, they've been talking about preparing the way for the second coming and, you know, be spiritually prepared, be temporally prepared, have food storage, have all this, have all that. And so now that we're here living with COVID-19, seeing signs of desolating sickness, having some earthquakes. We've had a lot of natural disasters lately. It does perk up one's interest. And you start to ask yourself, is this the time leading up to the second coming? Is there going to be a day where we truly do see Jesus to return and reign as King of Kings? Um. That's part of my intention and purpose in doing this podcast of Zion. It's because I and we have a deep love for our Savior, you know, and it's not some cartoon version of God. No, we're trying, we're striving to find the real doctrine, to understand who our elder brother is, um, because the more we can understand of how much we truly do depend upon him, uh, the more obedient we, we will be, the more full of charity that we will be as our testimonies increase in truth. Unfortunately, out there, there's not a lot of truth. You know, 99% of what we hear is noise. And so you have to sift through a lot of information to be able to arrive at a place where you feel confident that, oh yes, this is the truth, this is what I'm going to put my faith in, and that's that, you know? So hopefully this podcast, I know it's helped me to sift through a lot of the falsehood out there and arrive at the truth. Hopefully it's doing the same for you. So when it comes to the second coming, um, I like to keep things simple. I like to keep it plain. And I've identified five scriptural passages that I think can help all of us to come to terms uh, with the times in which we're living. So the first one comes from Paul. First Thessalonians chapter 5 is a chapter that's loaded. Uh, Paul is telling the saints that they will know the season when the second coming of Christ will happen. Let's start in verse 4. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, and that day should um, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. 
Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet and a hope of salvation. Notice Paul used the word sober twice. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Um, Let's finish verse 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, and you could add fear, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. But of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. Let's, let's skip back to verse 2. It says, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh. Skip back down to verse 21. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. All right, well, let's talk about that word sober. A good buddy of mine sent me a text story that I'd like to share with you. James Stockdale talked about how he cultivated the mental strength to survive seven torturous years as a prisoner of war in North Vietnam. When asked who didn't make it out of the POW camp, Stockdale replied, Oh, that's easy. The optimists. They were the ones who said we're going to be out by Christmas, and then Christmas would come and Christmas would go. And then they'd say we're going to be out by Easter. And then Easter would come and Easter would go. And then Thanksgiving and then it would be Christmas again. And they died of a broken heart. This is a very important lesson, Stockdale continued. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they may be. I think that's exactly the message that Paul was giving to us Latter-day Saints in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Faith and hope are great in things that are true. Faith and hope only, uh, excuse me, false hope, right, only works for a little while. Then it turns to lost hope. Then it can even turn to death as men's hearts fail them. Why did these guys survive the seven years of the prisoner of war camp? Because they prepared themselves for the long haul. They didn't lose hope because they didn't have false hope. We're seeing that today with COVID-19. We're seeing a confused version of optimism fill the airwaves and saying, oh, just wait another week. Oh, just wait another two weeks then everything's going to be okay. That's very dangerous, right? We need to put our trust in truth. And when we do that, we're going to be the children of light and you're going to be able to survive and deal with whatever happens. So that is the first scriptural passage that the second coming does not have to come at us as a thief in the night. We're children of light and we can know the season when the Lord's come, when the Lord comes and we're commanded to be sober. The second scriptural passage is short and sweet. It's from Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Well, that's interesting. Usually we think that the lights in the firmament of creation are only for days and years. But the Lord says they are also given for signs. We know when Jesus was born, there was a sign, a new star in the sky. 
the wise men were able to follow the star. Well, it's no different today. So what are some of these relevant signs um, in the heavens? Well, that's scriptural passage number three. Joel chapter 2, verse 30 and 31 says, And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. Well, turning the sun to darkness is a solar eclipse. Most of us participated in that rare total solar eclipse back on August 21st. Uh, 2017. I remember we all wore the funny-looking glasses, right? Because even though it was an eclipse, you still couldn't look at the sun. Uh, The media dubbed it the Great American Eclipse. One month later, on September 22nd, 2017, during the celebration of uh, the Jewish celebration of Rosh Hashanah, Feast of the Trumpets, The constellation Virgo came into a rare, and we're talking thousands of years rare, alignment with retrograde Jupiter that perfectly fulfilled the sign of the times as mentioned by John in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Those verses say, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. So a lot of signs in the heavens happening in August and September of 2017. In the scriptures, um, and we covered this extensively in the prior episode called The Timeline of Jesus' Second Coming, It talks about first that Jesus will come during the seventh seal. And the seventh seal is designed as a time where he will reign as king of kings for a thousand year millennium. Well, at the beginning of the seventh seal, it starts with a half hour of silence. The seventh seal um, prophecy dictates began in the year 2000, even specifically on April 6, 2000 at the dedication of the Palmyra Temple when President Hinckley led all the saints throughout the worldwide church in the Hosanna shout, saying, God save us. After the opening of the seventh seal, a half hour of silence is calculated to be 20.8 years, which takes us exactly to where we are now in the year 2020. Near the end of the half hour of silence, there's prophesied to be a seven-year tribulation. The first three and a half years of tribulation are actually a time of relative peace and prosperity, whereas the second three and a half years of tribulation is known as the abomination of desolation, a very difficult time, a very painful time when Babylon crumbles, collapses, and the world is reset, compelled to repent ahead of the Savior's second coming. Well, there's plenty of reason to believe that the solar eclipse that happened in August of 2017 ushered in this seven-year period of tribulation. Um, A tribulation that's prophesied to begin and end with a solar eclipse. If we read in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 29, we learn 
Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Well, it's very interesting that there is a second solar eclipse that will hit America on April 6th, 2024, exactly seven years after that 2017 eclipse. So yeah, you read that and you consider and you ponder that there will be signs in the heavens and you can't deny that such signs have been given. What else was happening around this time in 2017 that perhaps ushered in seven years of tribulation? Well, in May of 2017, President Trump became the first sitting U.S. president to visit Jerusalem's old city. His purpose was to, and I quote, broker the ultimate deal between Israelis and Palestinians. Um, He said he felt his administration had a very, very good chance to get it done. Let's see if we can find the solution. It's something, frankly, maybe not as difficult as people have thought over the years, but we'll need two willing parties. Months later, President Trump officially released a peace plan titled Peace to Prosperity, a vision to improve the lives of the Palestinian and Israeli people. It was initially agreed to during meetings that happened when? In September of 2017. We sent an American envoy of Jared Kushner, Jason Greenblatt, Dinah Powell, Ambassador David Freeman. The next month, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin visited with Ben Netanyahu. And as part of the rollout of this peace plan, President Trump officially recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital on December 6, 2017, as he ordered the U.S. Embassy to move to Jerusalem. So there was a lot happening um, to usher in the seven years of tribulation. Um, We talked about the eclipses, but the scripture in Joel chapter 2 also mentions blood moons would happen as signs. And there's an excellent article from the Tampa Bay Times called See Iconic Supermoon Photos of the Past from Around the World. And it shows red blood moons from January 31st, 2019 in Santa Monica September 27, 2015 in Glastonbury, England. November 13, 2016 in St. Louis, Missouri. January 31, 2018, San Francisco. January 20, 2019, Los Angeles. Certainly, we have had blood moons in the sky. So, um, that takes us to a next set of scriptural passages, number four. The first three and a half years. Well, if this timeline is right, that means we've already lived the first three and a half years of tribulation. Um, Isaiah spoke that a foolish peace treaty would be signed by Israel with the Antichrist with Babylonian government forces. It's so foolish because Israel is placing its trust in men, money, and military might rather than in the God of Israel. Isaiah chapter 28, verses 14 and 15 states, Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men, 
that rule this people which is in Jerusalem. Because ye have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with hell we are at agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us. For we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. Skipping ahead to verse 17. Judgment also will I lay to the line, and righteousness to the plummet. And the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies, and the waters shall overflow the hiding places. And your covenant with death shall be disannulled, and your agreement with hell shall not stand. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, then ye shall be trodden down by it. From the time that it goeth forth, it shall take you. For morning by morning shall it pass over, by day and by night, and it shall be a vexation only to understand the report. Well, the peace treaty, the peace agreement that I referenced earlier from the end of uh, at the end of the year 2017, didn't only include the United States and Israel. It actually ushered in an unprecedented truce between Israel and Saudi Arabia, between Israel and Russia. In October and November of 2018, one year later, President uh, Ben Netanyahu came under fire for his cozy relationship with Saudi Arabia's Mohammed bin Salman as the coalition colluded in a massive cover-up for the death of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Um, For the first three and a half years of this relationship between Israel, Saudi Arabia, the United States, and Russia, there definitely was relative peace. But there was also a tremendous amount of manipulation, propping, price distortion of financial markets, in order to make these political leaders appear better than they really were, to perhaps hide the negative impacts of disruptive policies that were being implemented. Um, Seeds were being sown of disconnect between stock markets and real economies, which are likely to have massive repercussions in the second half of tribulation. Seeds were sown that included military skirmishes with Iran and its proxies due to this peace plan that was signed between Israel and the United States. Seeds of civil war were even planted during the American impeachment trials and during the ethics violation investigations in Israel with Netanyahu. Uh, On a personal note, during this first three and a half years of tribulation, um, boy, did I witness it firsthand. Um, I was continually, as an economist, continually had our models blindsided by the interventions and manipulations of this small group of leaders. The traditional independence between the Federal Reserve and White House was basically abolished as the team of Trump, Mnuchin, Wilbur Ross, Jay Powell worked together to centrally plan markets as Trump's, uh, Trump used the stock market as his own personal political scoreboard. In financial markets, nothing was acting as it was supposed to, um, which again really messed with our economic analysis. 
I even tried to file legal complaints for violations of the Federal Reserve Act of 1913 and the Securities Act of 1933, but was shut down quickly and repeatedly. Um, I experienced firsthand the destruction of free market capitalism at the hands of the Shabbat financial network that was working together. For me, the first half of the seven-year tribulation, as spoken of by Daniel, was, yes, a time of relative peace, but it was a time of fake prosperity. Not fake news, but fake prosperity as freedoms were systematically replaced by socialistic interventions, even here in the land of the brave, land of the free. Again, seeds were planted that are likely to have massive repercussions during the next three and a half years. I saw it all happening but couldn't do anything to stop it as the quantity of evil overwhelmed most people's ability to grasp even a sliver of what was going on. You know, if one lie is told, it's easy to fact check and call out a politician on that lie. But what happens when 50 lies are told even in one day? It just becomes so overwhelming that no one even knows what to do with it. It's been chaos, lies, misdirections since late 2017, and not just in the United States, but among governments across the world, to the point where global citizens are now at risk of a Great Depression, not necessarily caused by desolating sickness, but caused by bubbles, by over-leverage, and central planning rather than market pricing and true pricing. That's why our economy is in such a fragile situation. It's been very challenging. It's been very chilling to discover cracks in the institutions that we have held sacred for so long. What so many of you are now beginning to experience in terms of unemployment struggles, the bursting of the bubble, um, I have been enduring since the end of 2017. It can be gut-wrenching. You might feel alone to contemplate those seemingly insurmountable mountains in front of you. There's a lot of opposition, but I would just say don't give up. The Lord will not abandon us. Um, in fact, I think I've done about 40 of these podcast episodes and Almost every one of them represents a life lesson that was taught because of a difficult trial. We shouldn't be afraid of difficult trials. Um, it's, it's difficult to learn from your successes and from the good times. And it's only usually in our perceived failures that we learn the most. I can promise you that if you heed personal revelation from the Lord, He will guide you through all of it. Unfortunately, these secret combinations have layered their secrets and power moves deep into the very foundations of contemporary countries. Over the years now, through economic timing, I've written thousands upon thousands of analytical briefs detailing the suppression of freedom in supposedly open markets. And it's all happened in the name of political expediency. It's dark 
yet unsustainable. This kingdom is going to shake due to its own transgressions from men behaving badly, putting their own greed and self-interest ahead of the republic and the common good. It's not limited to any one party. It's not limited to any specific nation. It has spread like a contagion everywhere, just like Moroni said that it would. Beyond our economic problems, additional forms of individual turmoil have certainly been experienced during the opening three and a half years of tribulation. For some, it's confronting and dealing with abuse in all of its various forms. For others, it's war and a refugee crisis, poverty, could be disease. And yeah, it's true that a lot of these tribulations have been with us throughout time. Nevertheless, these are times of culmination and eventually graduation from such travail. But we will experience it in concentrated doses. Uh, during the seven years of tribulation. So to sum up that, um, a lot did happen because of the, let's, let's find the exact words that the Lord used in Isaiah chapter 28. You have made a covenant with death and hell. You have put your trust in lies and falsehoods. You know, I think uh, it's all right there in front of you. We know exactly what was happening in August and September of 2017. So now for the fifth and final scriptural passage uh, describing some of these events of the second coming. Let's read a few um, here. Daniel chapter 9. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Verse 27, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. That's very interesting. And for the overspreading of abominations... He shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So in Daniel chapter 9, he talks about that in the midst of tribulation, in the midst of the seven years, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation, or in other words, offerings, to, to cease. Well, where do we offer sacrifices and offerings? In the holy temples. What happened at the midpoint of the seven years of tribulation? The temples have been closed. Let's continue in Daniel chapter 12, verses 9 through 12. And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the end of time. Many shall be purified and made white and tried. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. But the wise shall understand. And from the time that the daily sacrifice, again, shall be taken away, and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. That's three, three and a half years. 
Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred and five and thirty days. Again, what is the end of this daily sacrifice? It can be interpreted as a closing of the temples that occurred in early 2020 as a result of desolating sickness, the contagious and dangerous spread of COVID-19. This fact, combined with the early return of tens of thousands of missionaries, brings will surely bring to pass the testimony of plagues and destructions that are intended to compel the world to repent. Matthew chapter 24 verse 15 says, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Well, we have worked and strived to set up holy places of safety, protection, be well supplied even in our homes during this time of quarantine. Uh, verse 21 of Matthew 24 says, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Um, concerning the second half of the seven-year tri- tribulation, the final three and a half years, President Russell M. Nelson wrote an email to members of the Church of Jesus Christ on January 1st, 2020. One excerpt uh, is I'll, I'll quote below. God loves all of his children and has a vision for each of us. Just as he listened to Joseph's prayer in 1820, he listens to you and yearns to speak with you through the Spirit. Heavenly Father wants you. We want you. This is going to be an important year. We invite you to be a major part in sharing the message of the ongoing restoration of the Savior's gospel. We will share more about this soon, but you can start today by acting on the invitations I extended to you in the last general conference to immerse yourself in the glorious light of the restoration. The time to act is now. This is a hinge point in the history of the church, and your part is vital. I testify that Jesus Christ lives. He leads this church today. God is trusting us, all of us, to play an important role in the restoration of his gospel. We've heard it from Daniel. We've heard it from Isaiah. We are about to read it in Jeremiah. And we hear it from the modern prophet of God. 2020 is a hinge point in the seven years of tribulation. It started with the opening of the seventh seal. There was a half hour of silence. At the end of 2017, Israel made some foolish peace treaties. It ushered in three and a half years of lies, deceit, false prosperity. Well, the second three and a half years, the hinge point, are now beginning. And how did they begin? They began with a bang. It began with the spread of COVID-19. Um which will be followed by other plagues. 
what occurs after the hinge point, what occurs after the closing of temples, after the return of missionaries. Well, you can read more about it in Doctrine and Covenants section 84, section 88, section 29, section 45. You can read more about it in the book of Revelation. And clearly the Lord wants us all to be prepared. It's interesting. I was talking to my dad about Grandma Schwarz, who passed away years ago. But he said as a kid, he always laughed at his mom because she uh, took so seriously preparation. You know, their family always had food storage. She even, he said, she even loaded up on toilet paper. And I said, how, why did she load up on toilet paper in the 1970s? You know, how funny that we've had some toilet paper shortages today. And we chuckled. But the example has been set for us for generations. The doctrines have been preached to us for generations. And the time to prepare wasn't necessarily in the 70s, 80s, 90s. It wasn't five years ago. The time to prepare is certainly today. And as children of light, we don't have to be in darkness. This is the time for us to act, to prepare. And as we do, as we're sober and we don't fill ourselves with any false hope or false optimism, we can abide the days to come. Glorious, right? The second coming of the Savior is going to be glorious. Think about that word, Savior. All of us have sins, right? As we have strived to progress and do our best, we come up short and it's okay. It's part of the plan. And the reason why it's okay is because there was a sinless, perfect lamb who was sacrificed for us. Jesus' charity and love, he did that for each one of us so that we could become clean and so that we could be resurrected and so that our lives and our intelligence could be sustained and continue throughout all eternity. This is not a time to be scared. You know, it's interesting, a lot of criticisms after the last general conference because people wanted a little bit more, right? A little more current advice on what to do during the quarantine and if this truly is the time leading up to the second coming. But that's not how the Lord works. There is no deathbed repentance. There won't be some grand warning that this is, you know, the abomination of desolation is upon us. That's not how the parable of the ten virgins worked, right? The ten virgins were all members of the Lord's church. They were all invited to the wedding feast. They all knew about the date and the times and the seasons and the modes of preparation for their whole life, but only five of them filled their lamps with oil. Right? They could have been warned a day before, hey, you better fill your lamp with oil. But that's not the way the Lord works. He's consistent. There's no panic in it. And I believe that that's how the brethren work too. They will not incite panic. They will just continue to teach the doctrines and to repeat the word of God that has been around um, since the beginning of the restoration. So hopefully 
um, those five scriptural passages can bring a little bit of clarity. Um, by no means are these five scriptural passages comprehensive, right? There's a lot more. This is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to a search for truth um, within the gospel of Jesus Christ and our pursuit for ultimate freedom, for peace, for prosperity. Uh, in other words, Zion. I hope you've benefited from this episode of Zion ID. I hope it's opened your eyes. Um, in fact, there's one other thing that I've seen. There was a letter written in 1983 by an apostle named uh, Vaughn uh, Featherstone. And apparently he sealed up the letter in the cornerstone of the Atlanta temple with the approval of the first presidency to be opened in the year 2033. Somehow somebody got a copy of the letter and apparently the letter says, you know, something to the saints of the church. Um, I know by now you have passed through the worst tribulations in the history of mankind. But isn't it marvelous that the Savior Jesus Christ has returned to earth to reign as King of Kings? And he says, I can't even imagine the emotions and the spiritual strength and power that you're all experiencing at this glorious time in human history. So he wrote that letter in 1983. You know, um, this timeline isn't something that's been hidden. You know, this timeline is available to anybody with eyes to see and ears to hear. So let's open up our eyes, perk up your ears, and... Um, Hopefully through principles of righteousness and especially through principles of revelation, the Lord will comfort us and guide us to overcome um, as we climb the mountains ahead during the next three and a half years.